1: This episode and every episode of the Beer Guys Radio Show is brought to you by Ironmonger Brewing. Visit Ironmonger at their tap room in Marietta, Georgia, or online at ironmongerbrewing.com.
2: Open up a tab, grab a seat, and pour a pint. It's time for the Beer Guys Radio Show. You want free beer? Go to the brewery. Dedicated to the art, science, and enjoyment of craft beer. Yo, what's wrong with the beer we got? Now, here are your hosts, Tim Dennis and Brian Hewitt.
3: And welcome to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We are once again, Brian, broadcasting from the beer guys radio studios in marietta georgia we've been remote for a few weeks we have yes we've been quarantining and having to do that but we're back in the studio this week just you and i we're keeping it safe we're safely distanced across the table from each other we are so we're going to keep it that way but this week we're going to be talking to portland oregon's breakside brewery i am tim Dennis, and with me as always is my good friend and co-host brian hewitt
1: Tim and I'm remaining emotionally distant as well so I'm I'm retaining that for safety joining us today we have Ben Edmonds the brewmaster co-founder and co-owner of Breakside Brewery in Portland Oregon we're going to talk about a decade of brewing award-winning IPAs their plans for the 10th anniversary that's coming up and the Portland beer scene Ben thanks for joining us
4: Thanks for having me, guys.
3: You know, Ben, it's a little tough. We usually say, how are you doing or how's the week going? But we kind of know things (laughs) are. So how are you doing, all things considered?
4: All things considered, I'd say we're doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. Uh, You know, I don't think I've received an email in the last uh, three, four weeks that hasn't started with some sort of disclaimer about crazy times or surreal situations. Yes, I think we can, yeah, you know, we can say all those things and set them aside. But you know, with with uh, all things considered, um, we're doing pretty well here.
3: I got an email from one of our vendors today, and you could tell it's one that he maybe programmed in a while ago, just a automated follow up. Uh-huh. And it starts out with, "Hey Tim, how's it? How are you doing? How's it going?" <laughs> yeah. And I replied back. I said, "Actually, it's really lousy. Thanks for asking." <laughs> yeah. And he he did reply and say, "I'm sorry." He's like, "Actually, I actually started that chain before all this stuff." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I know how that goes." So brian it's been a few weeks since we've hung out uh it has and yeah. shared beers but uh what you been up to man what's new with you
1: so i for the most part it's just been me hiding out at home as you sure. know i do make the occasional beer run so i i went out i i hit uh contrast artisan ales over in shambly got some of their uh crispy crusher which we're we're drinking right now actually hit orpheus again for some choosers of the land because i need my crispy boys and uh also, got some crispy boys from Bold Monk. So it was kind of more on a crispy boys' crispy mission than it's IPA so this time. So, And I've also been a hashtag drink your cellaring. So, uh, okay. Are they
3: is that that an act of a popular hashtag right now? Yes, the hashtag drink your
1: cellar is people are cracking open their their whales from their cellar and and drinking them because why not? Drink them if you got them. I drank a Sunday morning stop from 2015 from Weyerbacher, that was fantastic. And I drank a Mayan hot chocolate hype whale from. Probably 2017. It might have been back when Atlanta Brewing Company was still Red Brick. So those are both quite nice. How about you, Tim? What have you been doing? Well, Brian,
3: you know, I've been home. We've actually mentioned this the last couple weeks that I've been a little under the weather and actually got tested for the coronavirus. Great news, Brian. I got my results in. (laughs) <laughs> positive. I had the cur- positive. Yes. So good, right? Yes. A positive results. So it, it was Hadeen. It got me. Yes. Yes. Oh, we're yes. going to get, we're going to get a call about that. We'll get a call on that <laughs> one. But uh, yeah, man. And you know, fortunately I'm one of the lucky ones. It didn't hit me too hard, Brian. I had a little bit of fever, I had one day, but I did get uh, confirmed that I had uh, coronavirus, but on a positive note, lemons to lemonade, Brian, apparently after you've had it, and you've cured and went through all the, after like, I think it's 10 days of no symptoms. Your blood has antibodies that can be used to treat other people in serious conditions. So uh, I'm exchanging emails with the Red Cross right now to try and get set up to donate my blood and plasma to hopefully help okay. others that, that get hit with this. So doing the best I can. I haven't had a lot of beer. I did go out and, like you, got some crispy boys, got a little uh, Prince of Pilsen from Three Taverns Brewery here and enjoyed right. that. So it's good. So, Ben, did you get into any good or new or exciting beers this week?
4: Yeah. You know, one of the things that's kind of a, uh, odd, uh, I guess upshot to this whole shelter in place and sh- shutting down of, uh, of restaurants and bars is that a lot of breweries are sending, putting beer into package that they hadn't before. So we're seeing some fun beers actually show up in some of the bottle shops and supermarkets that are, have a good craft beer selection. So, uh, we got some Chuckanut Kolsch, uh, I saw down here okay. in package for the first time. That's a fantastic beer. I had picked up one of those and, uh, Alvarado Street out of uh, Salinas, I think, California, those guys sent some cans up. Uh and I had their Pilsner, their Italian Pilsner and their uh mosaic IPA and both were really, really stellar.
3: Sounds good. You know, yeah, we had, seriously we had a situation here in Atlanta. We have a festival once a year that it was called back to the juice this year. It's some iteration of juice each year. And this, the distributor that puts on this festival signs kind of short term contracts to get a bunch of breweries in the state that are not normally distributed here. So we get a bunch of good, of amazing stuff here. And uh, unfortunately, several of the breweries had shipped the beer before his festival got Mm -hmm. canceled. So I guess a good thing for us consumers is he had to send all of it out to shops you know, in restaurants. So we had we got sure. to go out and buy buy cans and all this of beers we can we normally can't get in the state. So they had a, what block fifteen was here? Pipeworks. Yes. We had uh oh man, I kept four fifty north. Four fifty north a yeah. lot of the, the slushy beers yeah. and all that. So <laughs> so yeah, we got into a lot of that stuff. Said it was eight percent, Brian, but I don't I don't
2: know yeah. about that. So. Well
1: it didn't actually say it on the can, but
3: not on this one, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, you know, Tim, I think it's time for us to talk about the beers of the week.
2: Crack open a cold one. It's the Truck and Tap Beer of the Week. Woo-hoo! Craft beer and food trucks in downtown Woodstock. Truckandtap.com.
3: Well, Brian, as always, we have a great selection of beers to get into. We pregame, Brian, actually with some non-alcoholic beers. We like, did. Like you mentioned, you've been dipping into that cellar, drinking those big I, beers. I have. And a lot of people have been saying to do that. Do that. So, you know, we got into... Uh, Athletic Brewing has upside down their Golden ale and the Run Wild IPA. Both of those are really, really tasty non-alcoholic beers. So we did a little pre-gaming with that. Keep our ABV down a little bit. A little so, bit. Yeah. We're getting into that. We did get into another pre-gamer from Contrast Artisanal called Crispy Crusher Pale Ale, and of course Brian some Breakside beers. We did. And uh, was sipping on actually the. Uh, rainbows and unicorns ipa right now oh, awesome. uh, we've also got yeah yeah good stuff we've also got uh wonder Lost ipa and what rough beast hazy ipa cool that we're going to get into a little later in the show so we're looking forward I haven't had any of those yet ben so i'm looking forward to uh, i enjoyed the rainbows and unicorns looking forward to getting into the others here, indeed so, yeah so
2: brian what is happening this week in the news what's in the news the beer guys have the scoop extra,
0: extra, read all about
2: it. time for headlines Okay,
1: so we've got some bad news from Bart Watson, the economist at the Brewers Association. After doing some industry surveys, he found that brewery sales are dropping sharply which is not too surprising. And many breweries are set to close, which is a little bit more surprising. According to their survey, the majority of responding breweries do not think their business can last three months in the current conditions. So without changes of some kind, we could be looking at thousands of breweries potentially closing in the coming months. The average brewery has seen their on-site sales drop by 77%. Their distributed... craft sales dropped by an average of 95%. And in terms of off-premise sales, there's actually an uptick of about 9.4%. However, Bart Watson is quick to point out that these sales increases mostly reflect larger brewers as people are stocking up on uh, the big name beers. Overall, the industry is down around 29% and breweries that don't package are probably seeing more significant drop than 29%. So according to the respondents, the real numbers are 2.5% of breweries responding to the survey say they already plan to close. There's nothing that can be done. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's sad. 12.7% will close if things carry on unchanged for four weeks. 46.4% will close if things last until three months. And another 25% will close if this goes to six months. So in terms of actual numbers, we definitely have two hundred around 200 breweries that are probably going to close. We've got about 1,035 that'll be closing in four weeks if things don't change. Nearly four thousand, three thousand seven hundred eighty-five 3,785 that will be done if this lasts for three months. So we could lose over half the breweries in the U.S. at three months, potentially, again, if there are no changes. There's one caveat That we should keep in mind that it was kind of projected around four to five percent of breweries that were currently operational would probably have closed in 2020 anyway. So that lower figure, eh, you know, it's not as bad maybe as we're thinking.
3: Yeah, kind of odd timing with it. Well, you don't time or plan a pandemic. No, you don't. But I think we we were in a big changing time in the industry anyhow with the way people consume beer and the way breweries operate. And I think 2020, we've already seen it a little bit over the last year, places closing, and I think we're going to see more of it this year. But this is going to change the dynamic big time. Oh, for sure. It'll be something to see how it all works out. Well, Brian, we need to take a break. You're listening to the Beer Guys radio show, but we will be back very soon to talk more with Breakside Brewery.
1: As beer lovers, we know real beer. And Athletic Brewing makes non alcoholic beer that stands shoulder to shoulder with full strength craft beer. With a fraction of the calories and certified organic, it's a great beer to enjoy anytime. Check out Athletic's selection of IPAs, golden ales, stouts, and more at athleticbrewing.com. Use code BeerGuys25 for 25% off your first order, and U.S. customers get free nationwide shipping. Athletic Brewing Brew Without Compromise.
2: the beer guys on facebook twitter and instagram be the man you gotta beat the man Woo! now back to the beer guys radio show welcome back to the beer guys radio show remember
1: all episodes are available on demand so if you missed the broadcast get the podcast beer guys radio is available on all popular podcasting apps now let's get back to our talk with breakside brewery
3: you know, Brian, something I want to throw out real quick. We mentioned this last week, but we've done a new business-related podcast with Whipfully Accounting called Hops and Ledgers. And uh, the podcast has been out for a week, but we put a YouTube video out with that that's got a full slideshow of information. It is a podcast on helping your brewery to survive the coronavirus crisis. And these guys give info on the paycheck protection program loans, a bunch of resources out there for brewers. So if you're still wondering as a brewer, what to do, check that out. It's on all the podcasting apps. Just look for beer guys radio and it's on our YouTube channel as well. So we hope it's helpful and we hope to share beer with you soon. It's great. Great resource. Ben, you know, we don't want to dwell on this too much. Everybody needs a break from it, but, uh, How are things in Oregon as far as how can you operate right now? What are the current conditions there?
4: We're able to do um, to-go sales, basically. Oregon has always, you know, we're very lucky in Oregon just in general. I think with beer laws, uh, you know, brewery, brew pub, taproom, you really have a lot of flexibility in terms of what you're allowed to do. And the Oregon Liquor Control Commission, the OLCC, has been very quick to try and kind of ease a lot of rules and restrictions in the last handful of weeks to allow for breweries to continue commerce. And so we, Breakside is just doing beer to go at our locations. So we're not doing any delivery, but you can deliver in-state. A lot of breweries are doing that. You know, we can work through third-party delivery apps to add beer, and they can deliver that to customers, too so we can do you know growlers to go crowlers to go dock sales normal package bottles and cans all that and as so well as food to do
3: you know i i made a comment on twitter the other day that it kind of became the wild west because crowlers brian i don't know if you've seen it but crowlers are a shortage like it was going to be i have seen that April, yes. people were selling out and i saw one brewery was seriously filling like milk jugs and another another place said hey can you fill crowlers they're like look Rinse out a milk jug and bring it up here. We'll feel, it's Wild West out there right it, now. It is, yes. If you've got a vessel that you can put beer in. I saw someone got a uh, half-gallon milk jug full of sucaba. Uh So, <laughs> yeah. One, live
2: the dream, man. Live right. the dream
1: out well, that you know what? You find out what laws are really essential when something like sure, this happens. Absolutely. You're like, who cares what you put the beer in? It's Come on,
3: dome out there, man! I mean, seriously, do what you got to do.
1: I, you know what? I, I keep forgetting to get the hairspray. If it's Thunderdome, I need to tease this hair a lot. You do, man. yeah. It's, I, I really think do. you should
3: too. You should get started on that. Well, Ben, is there, you know, something I've been kind of curious? I know that everyone has changed their routines and what they're doing. Is there anything that you've learned from this that maybe when things do get back to normal, that that may impact the way you do things at your brewery?
4: I don't know yet. That's a good question. You know, I think still we're trying to just kind of see through the fog and make sense of what the new normal is going to be and when bars and restaurants might reopen and when we want to go back to producing beer for draft. And those sorts of questions are kind of the most pressing ones, you know, just a lot of operational and logistical things. But yeah, I haven't really had a a chance yet in the midst of all this to to try and figure out if there's anything that we want to change for the better, for the future.
3: just trying to keep up right now. Seriously. Stay afloat. Yeah, Yeah, I understand. Sure enough. Well, Ben, to talk about more positive and exciting things, we're sipping your Wanderlust IPA right now. Yeah. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about this beer?
4: Yeah. Wanderlust is one of our two flagship IPAs. Um, It's been a beer that we've made since, gosh, end of 2013, start of 2014. It's kind of, I view it as like a really kind of, contemporary Northwest IPA. Uh, it's 6.5%, 6.2% actually, clocks in about 62 BUs. Uh, it is a West Coast IPA, but you know this was a beer that we designed back in 2013. It was really, I guess in some ways, it was kind of the first IPA that we did that really cut away from or turned away from some of the ways of making ipa that had preceded that which you know namely i'll i would just say is to pull out all the crystal malt altogether so that beer is good
3: call good call
4: <laughs> two row in munich beer it's with mosaic uh, simcoe a little bit of summit which people think is kind of funny that we use summit in there but we do use a good bit of summit uh to kind of beef up the hop profile and then there's actually quite a bit of cascade in the kettle on that beer too So
1: it's one of your two core IPAs, your most popular. Which one is? I'm assuming the other one is Breakside IPA, right? That's correct. Yeah. So which of the two is most popular, and how do I decide which one I want to drink?
4: (laughs) Uh, They actually sell pretty close. They're about they the two of them are each about thirty percent of our total volume. So combined, those two brands make up about sixty, just over sixty percent of what we brew historically. And there's a number of things that I think that influence each of these. Wanderlust has been the beer that's been uh, more of the packaged beer, and Breaks Out IPA has been more of the beer that's been the main draft beer for us, um, which is really fortunate. You know, we make them both in equal amounts, and one kind of goes seventy five percent draft, twenty five percent package, and the other seems to be the opposite.
1: Why is that? Is it one just uh, just drinks better off a draft, or is it just kind of random chance that it happened that way
4: you know i think that a lot of it had to do with our rollout of the two beers they happened about you know 12 months apart from each other and wanderlust was kind of the beer that we this is back in 2013 2014 when we were trying to get into some markets outside of oregon really outside of portland and we didn't have enough hops to fulfill the orders for breaks at IPA. So we decided to design a second IPA that would use different hops and just kind of have that be our flagship going into those other markets. And I think that when we did that, Wanderlust kind of was the first IPA that some people had from us in those markets. And so it became the one that we were known for there.
3: Now, Ben, you were saying earlier that Wanderlust actually dates back to 2013. Is that right?
4: Yeah, that's right. Uh late 2013.
3: You opened in 2010, correct? That's right. Yeah. So so the Wanderlust has this has it evolved over the years or is it the same beer it was in 2013?
4: We you know, are always tinkering with our recipes. Um that beer the bones of it are the same. I mean, it's always been a mosaic forward west coast IPA, the um, kind of identity and the flavor profile have already always been pretty consistent, but yeah, we're tinkering with ingredients, specifically the hops schedule pretty regularly as well as some other things.
3: Is that something do you get uh, it, when you tinker with it? Do you get, do you ever get someone come in and like, wait a minute, is that this, the is, same beer? this isn't the same beer?
4: <laughs> you know, no, not very, very rarely. Okay. Um, All right. We have, we have some regulars in our tap room who, Really do notice little changes, or maybe because they hear us talking about them, and they, you know, they kind of chat with the brewers all the time and you know, almost daily. So they have a maybe an insider sense of some of the things that we're working on um, and might be tinkering with. But no, you know, the the changes we make are pretty incremental, and we we'll, even when we're making those changes, we're always trying to keep the beer within kind of the brand identity box. So we're not doing anything too dramatic at any given point in time. And uh, my friend, Joe Moorfield at Pinehouse Pete's always likes to say, you know, no one complains about a beer when it gets better.
3: That's true. That's true. That is yeah, a good is. point. But we've seen, you know, we've seen those discussions online when a beer will change Absolutely. and people just, they throw a fit, you know, this isn't the same, this isn't my beer. And so many breweries we've seen, there's one in Atlanta, Brian, that yeah. has had some complaints. <laughs> For those in Atlanta, you'll know who I'm talking about. But even like Treehouse and Trillium and that, I've seen discussions where people there have commented, you know, on their beers that this is this has changed. There's variance from batch to batch. But those are the guys that are that are pounding away on their keyboards on beer forums every day. That's a
1: little it's kind of like a precursor to when something is losing its hotness. When people start saying that, I'm not sure if it's because they believe it or if they're just getting bored of it. That's what I don't know. I, I don't know. You know.
3: Sometimes I think it's just because certain people just like to complain, Brian. I think think there's a few that just enjoy doing that, and nothing's going to change it. Indeed. Absolutely. Well, you're listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We do need to take another break, but we'll be back very soon to talk more with Breakside Brewery.
1: As a brewery owner or tap brew manager, are you looking for ways to enhance your customer experience while maximizing your revenues? Craftseller is a mobile solution that helps your brewery drive sales and attract new customers through online pre-sales for beer releases, events, and memberships. Get details now at Craftseller.com. Mention Beer Guys Radio after sign-up and extend your free trial to a full thirty days. Remember, Craftseller.com. C-R-A-F-T-C-E-L-L-R.com.
2: Craft beer forged with a reverence for tradition and new styles that start a revolution. Ironmonger Brewing. The brewers at Ironmonger Brewing pride themselves at being masters of barrel aged, poppy, and sour beers. They invite you to their tap room in Marietta, Georgia to taste and see. Also visit their barrel room for an intimate drinking experience with great live entertainment. Keep up to date on all things Ironmonger by liking them on Facebook. Ironmonger Brewing. Establishing a new standard in craft beer. the beer guys on facebook twitter and instagram now back to the beer guys radio show oh god here we go again dork alert welcome back to the
1: beer guys radio show i want to give a quick shout out to one of our great radio affiliates kfir 720 a.m in sweet home oregon catch beer guys radio on kfir every sunday at 5 a.m local time now let's get back to ben Edmonds with breakside
3: brewery ben we just got into another one of your beers here sir We're, we're into wanderlust ipa yeah so can you tell us about this one
4: sorry about wanderlust or about what rough no
3: i'm i'm wrong you I are, are so wrong. I, I picked up the wrong bottle here ben I, we're we're in what rough beast now <laughs> we like, talked about wanderlust <laughs> you're like yeah yeah just seeing if you're staying if you're paying attention here. this it's is groundhog to day toast. after all yeah <laughs> yes so we've actually moved on to what rough beast
4: Uh, What Rough Beast is our flagship hazy IPA. Uh, We've been making it since 2017. It's kind of like our right down the middle 6.7% hazy, hazy IPA, Citra Mosaic, Columbus. You know, we use a good bit of wheat in that beer and there's not, you know, nothing fancy. There's no lactose. There's not a lot of flaked oats in it. Uh, We really tried to just kind of shoot straight down the middle on that beer and it was really our first foray into making those beers. You know, four or five years ago, we started working on the recipe that eventually became that that beer. And yeah, it's it's been a huge hit for us since then.
3: Now we've been sampling uh, some good IPAs here today, and uh, we know Breakside. You guys do a lot of IPAs, but that's not your you're not a one trick pony, right? Try not to be. Yeah, yeah. So what do you like to brew outside of IPAs, outside of the hop forward beers? What what do you dig?
4: We do quite a bit of lager beer. Um those styles, German style lagers have been really popular for us. So we do a year-round pilsner as well as then a monthly rotating draft lager that wrote, you know changes pretty much every 2 to 3 months. Um we usually have two batches out on the market at once and so we'll do over the course of the year a Czech pilsner, a helles, a dunkel, a couple of different, uh, kind of Merit or Amber type lagers. So yeah, I mean, overall lager ends up making up uh, probably about 15, 20% of what we make. We do, we have a pretty extensive barrel program, our strong, uh, barrel aged beers. We have something like 600 casks, bourbon, rum, gin, brandy on hand, and then a fairly strong mixed culture program too. That's about 300 barrels deep.
3: Okay. You got my interest with the gin barrel. What do you put yeah. in gin
4: barrels? We do so. The next release in gin barrels is a uh, beer that we do called Bellwether. We release that pretty much every other year, and it's a imperial wit beer. Okay. So it's, kind of a, it's a blend. We do a imperial wit or double wit, um, and that's what goes into the barrels. That ages for about nine months in barrels, and then we ate, we blend that with a sour beer that's aged on Thai lime leaf, and it's kind of this really cool like gimlet cocktail beer with a lot of exotic lime flavor and big botanical notes
3: that's I really dig saisons and grisettes table beers and that in gin barrels you know those flavors Really play well together, but I, a whip beer, I could see that. I'm, being tasty, I'm thinking so. Thai
1: food, all all about that. And I know Thai over, is right? very popular in Portland. I used to go; they're all over the place. I used to go to a place across the road from me. They were everywhere. That seems like the perfect beer for it. I was drinking Black Butte Porter at the time that I was there, would but I would have probably okay.
3: had that if it were available. Does Black Butte pair very well with Thai food? Eh it yeah. doesn't sound it doesn't seem like it would you don't I care wasn't though really do you pairing yeah. so
1: much it's just i want a beer and that's the beer i want all right fair so enough. tim opened up the uh the doorway for interesting and unusual and different beers outside of ipas i happened to see that you made a beer with i, I believe it was kelp and bonito flakes at some point in cool. time mm-hmm. and I have to know more about that beer because I've, that's crazy. <laughs> that's, that's my level of crazy. So that's concerning possibly.
4: So we, we have done a beer over the years, a couple of beers over the years that I would call it kind of like savory beers. <laughs> and yeah, that was a beer called uh shuck the patriarchy. It was a, uh, uh okay. <laughs> out that was made with kelp and bonito and what we basically did was we turned our wort into a giant dashi in our, um, on our pub system. So we have a three-barrel pub system. And as we were laudering, you know, the work over, what we did was we soaked the seaweed, we let it go, and then we pulled it out, brought it up to boil, added all the bonito, let that kind of sit in there and steep, and then continue to treat it like a normal beer. We've done the same thing actually with with duck carcasses, roasted duck carcasses. We had duck stock uh, once too, and turned that into the base base for a beer. So those are probably our two most adventurous forays into savory ingredients and non vegetarian beers. Where did
3: these ideas come from? Very not vegetarian. With the with the bonito beer, did you did you put a few flakes on top when you served it?
4: No, like, no, we didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah,
3: Missed opportunity. I'll
4: tell you guys a story, which is that really early on, the beer, the original idea for the beer that now became that oyster stout was actually just a savory stout using shiitake mushrooms and um, other types of seaweed. And when we served that, we did it kind of like with a salted rim, but instead of just salt, we did uh, crushed shrimp like you know it was like it was you guys are out
3: of control over there man.
1: i love it i love it i love you guys even more now
3: <laughs> we had uh so ben where our where our studio is we're actually inside of a brewery here mm-hmm. uh in the atlanta suburbs inside of Ironmonger brewing and they did a beer and i forget what the beer was but they took uh what's it called Tahine or tagine. Yep. Tagine. yeah uh, you know the stuff i'm talking about ben yeah. it's like a chili a goza, chili lemon yeah. And they were rimming glasses with that, and then putting like uh, a goza, uh, yeah. sometimes goza, and sounds great. And that was pretty tasty, yeah. So.
1: I have to talk Johnny Cezanne at this point. We have to bring you, that up.
3: Go ahead, Brian.
1: Go ahead. Sun dried tomato and basil Saison. and it came out pretty, pretty darn good. I I got to yeah. say. People don't realize when they hear that they they get weird about it. They're like, I really wanted to make something when I was homebrewing that had tomato in it. Sun-dried tomatoes are very raisiny; they're very sweet. 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 You, yeah. you would expect it. And if you if you aren't too heavy with the basil and and you're reasonable with the uh, the, the sun-dried tomatoes, you can produce a pretty good tasting beer. Oh, yeah, weird, it, a good beer that's unusual for most people. Let me just put it that sure. way. Yeah, so, we've
3: talked about yeah. that beer, and it was one of those that. Either you liked it or you didn't. I yeah. think we executed it well, Brian. Good we idea. All right. Either you liked it or you didn't. You
1: know, so, so if you're looking for ideas, I can I can tell you that does work so, if it's yeah. done right. So
4: <laughs>
1: he doesn't look impressed.
3: <laughs> no, he he doesn't he doesn't want your uh, your sun dried beer. Uh, right? I don't think he does. No. no. So, Ben, you ever mess with any tomato basil beers?
4: Yeah, we actually do make one uh, every year. It's called Bira Minestra. We use Sun Gold tomatoes, which are super sweet. Uh, and ferment the beer directly on them. And we use a little bit of pluot in the beer as well. So it's kind of really sweet tomato and tart fruit and basil, and it's this awesome end-of-summer light wheat kind of garden party beer that we make.
3: See, you know, Brian, I knew they did other stuff besides IPAs, but I didn't realize how varied I had it was. No there. idea. I didn't realize how crazy they do get it. Breaks. Up. I
1: assume that they—that's a good beer to have with pizza. I, I don't remember what a pluot is, but I'm assuming <laughs> sweet, <laughs>
3: fruity, plummy, apricot. little yeah, plummy. Okay. I think they're—they're pr- they're more plummy than anything. I know it's like a plum apricot, but it's, yeah, they taste like fairly plummy. plummy right? Plums. Yeah
1: tastes like plums so okay. good. a little plum a little tomato that. there well the it's... sun-dried tomatoes do kind of have raisiny and that's close to plum it's not quite yeah. there but it's i'm sure it will be tasty so yeah. and
3: that you were talking earlier about the the beer with shiitakes i've had a couple of beers that had that earthy mushroomy taste and it's really favorable in some beers and i think most people would probably shy away yeah. if they were told mushroom but it's a uh, it's uh, Goose. like gooses and yeah. lambics, and that with that earthy, mushroomy flavor is really nice. So you guys,
4: are you guys familiar with candy cat mushrooms at all?
3: I'm not. No. I saw you talking about it
1: in, in a video, and it, I was intrigued by it. They're sweet mushrooms, right? Yeah,
4: they're crazy. They smell like maple syrup. They smell more like maple syrup than maple does. Yeah, you know, wow, That's and something. so they're they're pri- They're wild harvested only. They can't be cultivated. They're kind of like morels, and they only grow really between northern california and southern british columbia so they're a west coast delicacy that you have to wild wild forage and they smell and taste like maple and so we use them in a bourbon barrel aged imperial stout and they were awesome
3: i would never expect sounds maple amazing. mushrooms yeah. i drink it though oh absolutely. yeah absolutely you're listening to the beer guys radio show we do need to take another break but we'll be back soon to talk more with Breakside brewery and tim the beer guys if you're like us no lunch or dinner is complete without a pint or two of craft beer which is why truck and tap in downtown woodstock alpharetta and duluth are
1: always on our list tim why do they call it truck and tap well the tap part is easy brian they've got 18 of them as for the truck part that's where it gets interesting truck and tap features your favorite atlanta area food trucks so you're getting a different menu every day truck and tap in downtown woodstock alpharetta and duluth TruckandTap.com. tap.com let them know that the beer guys sent you
3: Is your brewery or restaurant flooring all jacked up? Your foundation needs to be protected from heat, chemicals, and other contaminants. At the same time, you want to make sure it's slip-resistant and you can clean up your messes with soap and water. You know who to call? ResTech. We've been manufacturing poured-in-place flooring since 2002, and we've got solutions to fit any facility's needs. Go on and visit our website at ResTech.net. That's dot net. Drop us a line and we will come to you for a free evaluation. Oh, yeah
2: follow the beer guys on facebook twitter and instagram next friday is hawaiian shirt day so you know if you want to go ahead and uh wear a hawaiian shirt and jeans now back to the beer guys radio show Welcome back to the Beer Guys Radio
1: Show. If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash guys. Patrons get cool perks like Beer Guys swag, commercial-free episodes, and even bonus episodes that aren't available anywhere else. Now let's get back to Ben
3: Edmonds with Breakside Brewery. Ben, we want to talk to you some about hops. We've talked about Interesting enough, mushrooms and bonito flakes and tomatoes, <laughs> tomatoes. and all that. So, <laughs> really know, stuff. Yeah. yeah, all the good stuff, man, all the traditional brewing ingredients there. But we want to talk to you some about hops, man, because there's there's a lot of stuff out there. We're seeing more and more breweries that, that do like one off beers maybe with experimental hops and uh, some of these new ones that coming out. We're loving like Sabro we're really enjoying those. The HBC, what's it? 472. 472. Yes. uh, Playing with those. So what are some hops that are you're excited about right now?
4: The one that's by far the biggest exciting new hop for us is is Strata, you know, which has been out now commercially for about two years, but I feel like it's really kind of a huge hit amongst Oregon and Washington brewers and California brewers. Um, But to me, it's like, it's kind of, like a mellower form of mosaic. It has just this beautiful tropical character, an incredible berry-like character, some really fun notes. So that's the one we've been working with the most, I would say.
1: So if somebody wanted to try your approach to using strata, what what beers of yours should they try?
4: We're about to release a beer that's very strata-heavy called Sugar Cube. It's a hazy IPA that we do every once in a while. Um, It's pretty heavy on Rocco, which is a New Zealand hop, as well as Amarillo, and uh, then Strata is the main hop and the dry hop.
1: So, I'm curious because I have been kind of following and drinking it whenever I can find it beers made with the h b c four seventy two are you familiar with that one
4: yeah we've we've worked with both four seventy two and six ninety two and sabros so all the all those neo Mexicanas hops yeah
1: the neo mexicanus so what what is your take on that one though the, the uh, four seventy two is known for supposedly imparting like a bourbon barrel character to, to be. Yeah,
4: coconut, woody, bourbon barrel. Yeah. Some people say dill, um, though not as much dill as like the Sriracha Ace kind Sriracha. of dill. <laughs> so I've had a few beers with those hops that I've really enjoyed. In general, I think that we've not really figured out how we want to incorporate them. So we've done a few beers with them. We did a hazy double IPA last summer with um, 692 called Bright Golden Haze. That was pretty cool. That hop seems to have a little bit more fruitiness and a little bit more lemongrass in addition to that uh, kind of coconut, bourbon, wood character. So we've been talking about bringing that hop back and using it with something like Galaxy that's really crazy, you know, Southern Hemisphere kind of array of flavors. Um, But to be honest, we haven't worked a ton with those hops yet.
1: Now, you mentioned Neo-Mexicanus. They are, a lot of these are descendants of that, or the ones we've been talking about, ones we've been looking at. Have you actually brewed with Neo-Mexicanus? Can you do that? Or is that something that's kind of like somewhere far receded and people are just like breeding that?
4: I think that the only one that's a true, like pure Neo-Mexicanus that's available on the market is called Medusa. And to my knowledge, it's just CLS Farms out of Washington who markets that. And so I think, I don't know how much that's out there commercially. I think most of that is then, it's just not very, there's not very much of it. I think a lot of it's actually been used, sold as a homebrewing hop. So I could be wrong about that. But to my knowledge, you have Medusa, and then you have the kind of quasi-Neo-Mexicanus hops uh, that are coming out of the HBC program. And those are the only real options right now.
3: Do you play around any with, like, hop terroir? Like, I know you're kind of in the sweet spot for hops, so you don't really have to go outside of uh, your state there to get them. But, uh, like we've seen, I think it was, was it Michigan Chinook? Yeah. That kind of made a little bit of a wave. I think they said it was very pineapple forward, a little more than that. But have you played around with any hops from, other areas to see what they deliver for you
4: there? Yeah, absolutely. We use actually quite a bit of uh, New Zealand-grown cascade, uh, sometimes called Taihiki, and it just offers this, such a different character. I mean, you can see that it's kind of cascade-like, but it's also super limey and perfumey oh. and works really well as a, as a dry hop and as a uh, kettle hop. You know, we haven't really worked much with Michigan or uh, New York or Colorado-grown hops. Um, almost all the North American hops we get are, Idaho, Oregon uh, and Washington. But even within the Northwest, I feel like there's a huge variation between what you get out of those different states um, impacted in part by growing practices, pick window, and then of course, kilning. But yeah, I mean, the difference between Oregon grown hops and Idaho grown hops and Washington grown hops can be pretty dramatic.
3: Yeah, that's something and you don't really have a need considering where you are to go to New York or Colorado or or Michigan grown hops. You've got a a pretty sweet selection right there, right? Driving distance, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Throw a stone into the hop fields and get what you want.
1: I've been in those areas of the Willamette Valley and driven through the the hop farms, and like it's it's a pretty impressive thing. They the trellises at the time I had no idea. I just drank the beer. I had no clue what these things were, right? But they were amazing. You know how tall they are, how how vast they were. Just I can't even imagine fancy
3: stuff, right?
4: yeah our our production breweries you know we' if there's no traffic, it's twenty minutes twenty five minutes down to the hop fields from here uh, and it's really close so during fresh hop season we're able to drive down first thing in the morning on you know at five a m six am and grab a couple hundred pounds of hops right off the picker and bring them back and use them in the uh, in in beers here. And so all,
3: <laughs> all the amateurs here in Georgia gotta overnight those things and hope they get <laughs> here in time and that. So yeah, absolutely. Well, Ben, uh as we as we wrap things up here, uh breakside, ten years. So twenty ten yeah. to twenty twenty. I mean, assuming we can all actually go out and visit a brewery soon, uh, <laughs> do you have big plans for uh for 10 years here?
4: Yes. We will throw a party at some point to celebrate the okay. anniversary. Originally, it was going to be in June. Uh, we'll see, you know, we'll, we'll figure that out. We've, always, we've never been big sticklers for actually celebrating on our, on our birthday or on our anniversary. You know, Oregon weather is pretty fickle in May, so a few years we threw the anniversary party in the actual day, and it was always just, you know, almost always rainy, so we, we've always fudged it a little bit. But we're doing a bunch of collaboration beers to celebrate our 10th anniversary, both with breweries uh, in-state and out-of-state. We're actually releasing 26 different collaboration beers this year.
3: Wow.
1: Oh, wow. That's some serious collaboration work. I I noticed that your brew calendar seems like you have a local collaboration and a national collaboration releasing almost every month. I was going to ask about that. How do you pull that off? Is that a normal thing for you? Is that just because it's 10th anniversary
4: yeah no this is this is definitely out there an outlier it's uh we wanted to do a series of collaboration beers to celebrate our 10th anniversary and we wanted to do it with friends from around the country and we paired the list down little by little and got to the point where we were at about 40 breweries and already that had been hard to cut some people off the list and kind of say ah oh, we've done a beer with this person before maybe we don't need to do another one and getting to down to 30 was really tough. And then after that, I said, I'm done. We're just going to go with like 26. You know, I'm, I'm not going to cut it any further. 26,
3: 26. That's it, man. That's still a good number. One there. every two weeks, right? Isn't that how that, it's that's like it is? like one Every other week, man. Yeah.
4: Starting them at our pub, one of our pub breweries. We have a 10-barrel system at our Slabtown Brew Pub. And so we'll do kind of a test batch there. It gets released at the pub. We'll send the crowlers the beer to the uh, collaboration partner, have them taste it. And then we'll kind of run it through our own sensory panel. We'll develop any feedback we want, any tweaks. And then we scale it up for the production brewery.
3: We want to thank Ben from Breakside for joining us, Brian. We had horrible technical difficulties this week. So rather than keep torturing Ben, we just let him go because the tech difficulties, but, uh great conversation, tasty beers. I've enjoyed all the beers that we've had from yes, They've a been taste very from good. home so now. a taste that's right home yeah. for you right now, Brian uh, since we do have a little time left uh you you always have some extra news stories, and we don't get to all of them so uh, got another news story you'd like to show i with us? I
1: absolutely do i've got and it's bad news unfortunately, additional bad news for drinkers in Nevada. According to Brewbound, Nevada has declared that breweries are non-essential businesses. This is despite the fact that the beer industry has been deemed essential by the guidelines from the Department of Homeland Security's Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, which is apparently the decider on what's essential and what is not right now. So they're not essential, according to Nevada. They are essential, according to this federal agency. Of course, being deemed essential is what allows breweries to remain open, selling their beers into the three-tier system, and to go – The silver lining, if there actually is one, is that the breweries in Nevada can actually continue to brew, but their beer can only go into distribution. And brew pubs that have a full kitchen can continue to operate for takeout and delivery, but if you don't have a full kitchen... You cannot. So only a quarter of the state's breweries can serve full menus. I expected some state would actually do this, Tim. I didn't expect didn't it expect would be Nevada. You Nevada. Right? Like,
3: figured Nevada would let Las you have Vegas it all.
1: And everything Crazy. else they have going on there.
3: Sin uh, City, all about vice right? out there, man. Right? Well, Brian, that does wrap it up for this episode of the Beer Guys Radio Show. Join us next week as we talk with Wild Barrel Brewing. For more craft beer info, follow us online. We are Beer Guys Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, stay safe, and don't forget to drink local. Cheers.
0: Duke's Mail. Do you get it? Because only the ones that get it really get it. Your friends get it, your mom gets it, your grandma gets it, your neighbors get it, sometimes a dog gets it. Get out of there. (laughs) What else? Uh, your potato salads get it, BLTs get it, tailgates get it, and restaurants get it too. By now, even you probably get it. So get it today. Made without any sugar since 1917, Dukes is that little southern something that makes good things better. Get Dukes. It's got twang.